0: Hello. Welcome back to another week of the European Tour Picks and Bets. Skylar Hoke here. Good to see you guys. It's been a little bit of time off. Tom Jacobs, it is great
1: to see you again, my friend. I was just saying to you before we came live, uh, it was quite emotional. I'm not going to lie. You know, It's been, what, a month since we uh, did a show? It before. has. Um, you know, Ryan and Brian did great jobs uh, standing in for you. Um, and I'm very grateful to them. Um, but I miss you, buddy. I miss, I miss doing our uh, European Tour show. Um, obviously we've been talking while you've been away but generally to that you have a bit of peace and quiet on your uh, trip to Hawaii which I hope was great and uh, we're back to a good week of golf this week
0: absolutely no it was a, a great time away enjoyed the islands no dfs out there you know didn't really pay attention to too much so fun to see um you guys do so well enjoyed the shows get to listen to them and then of course you know having one of our home-hearted european tour players taking home a pga tour victory uh just yesterday in lucas herbert so was excited for for his performance just he is so good in the wind tom mm-hmm. i mean what is that two through three? His last three wins have all had some serious conditions to them. So uh it was great to see him come through on Sunday. So enjoyed that. Uh for Herbert. Any he takes um on the PGA side of things before we dive into our week?
1: No, I echo what you say really. I think that I don't know looking back why I wouldn't have picked Herbert. Like I think you kind of need to pick up on that. It's one of those ones you think I feel like I've missed it, and I think it was one of those ones where. I really liked someone like Nick Hardy that week and he was in the same place. And I was like, right, well, that's a good person to, to pivot off on and things like that. But, you know, there, there was some good, good golf there. I think Russell Knox was was really good coming out of the uh, the bad weather break there. Um, I think he's going to have a really good chance in Mexico this week. Um, I was all in on Brian Gay and uh, he got destroyed by the, the Thursday round. So I'm, I'm not too bitter about that, as people might say on Twitter. But, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think it was it was a good week. I thought I was actually surprised there wasn't more Europeans up there. Um, I think that that would have been an easy thing for people to say. Obviously, GMAT was up there. Seamus Power played well, but I think he's more of a, basically an American at this stage, Seamus Power. But um, Thomas speech did okay. Didn't he tied 22nd, but that's just Thomas Beatry all together. So it was, it was nice to have a break from the European tour after a real weird run of events, I guess. But... I'm glad to be back at the Portugal Masters.
0: Yeah, there there was one other uh, European Tour golfer by the name of Guido Migliazzi who did tee it up um, as well there. He actually looked quite strong. That's true. (laughs) But through 54 holes, Guido was, I would say, in the mix before a Sunday 77. I mean, he shot, I think, co-round of the day or no not co-round of the day he was the 65 on friday was one of the better rounds Penderth had went nuclear that day um but uh sunday did not go guido's way but guess what he's teeing it up mayakoba so you know the odds are getting longer he was like 140 to one when i saw this morning they're just juicing it up for him so uh one of these they, days i i, I enjoy rooting up. him Um, but also Patrick Flavin was fun to watch, Uh, Mm. was rooting him on strong. Unfortunately, the back nine on Sunday didn't go our boy Flava Flav's way, but, um, you know, excited for him to get in the mix and hopefully find some status. But with that being said, um, would like to make sure if you are one of our podcast listeners, if you prefer that platform, uh, we're available across all the different applications. You can find us daily fantasy sports picks and bets, the mix. Uh, we'd love you rate review, subscribe for us there. And on YouTube, feel free to give us a rating as well. And like the YouTube, if you see Tom Jacobs in the comment, he, he's always in there lurking, uh, answering any questions for us. Always appreciate your time doing that, Tom. And with that, let's jump in. So, European Tour is back, like you mentioned, we're at the Portugal Masters, Dom Pedro Victoria Golf Course. Last time here, uh, George Kutsia was our winner. Um, so, it's an interesting golf course, I think, in the sense that you know it's pretty wide open. I wouldn't say the rough is all too, too hurtful. Um, we've there seen no difference. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could spray it quite wide, um, and it's not going to make too much of an impact might even be better than being tight um, to the fairways one of those type of courses. Um, I would say it's been a ranging set of skills. I wouldn't put George Katsia and Stephen Brown in the same category um, by any means. So it kind of leaves us with an open board, um, you know, with a decent bit of value uh, in the mid range and both of our cards will reflect that. But what's your thoughts on the, the course, and I guess, field strength.
1: So first of all, I thought the field was, was pretty good. Actually, you know, I was, I was surprised, I guess that little breakaway uh, for a week or so kind of helped that. Um, and, you know, there's not, much golf left, is there, on European Tour? So I guess guys are still trying to get their their starts in. Um, Matt Wallace was, you know, is an overwhelming favourite. I guess you could say he's 16 to one. 20 to one in places, but he's as short as 11 to one over here. Um, I guess that's a reflection of what he's been doing on the PGA Tour. But when he's come back to Europe, he's not been as good. Um, Laurie Cantor, for me, was the most obvious selection for this tournament. But 20 to one is. Yeah, if, if you if you're happy with Laurie Cantor at 20 to 1, there is nothing I will say to put you off. Like I think he's an excellent bet. He's got all the all the things I want him to do. Um, I just can't do it. There's just other maidens at bigger prices that I'd rather take on. Um, that
0: that was a thing before, you know, even going, I think Cantor ultimately it's it's the number. You know, I, I still took a hard look at 20s. But to bet somebody that hasn't broke through, I mean, if you look at his performance here last time out finishing second um, to George. And then also um, I know you talk about some correlation, but you know, success there as well. So it was, and you look at that, and then what a fifth and a sixth or a fifth and a fourth, his last two times out great driver of the golf ball. I just think in those, he's one of those guys that you can back at three to four times a number in the most difficult of fields. And he has the same likelihood to win almost as it does here.
1: And I feel like I'm a bit of a broken record in saying that, but I say it pretty much all the time about every girlfriend, and I end up never betting them because they don't quite go to the price I want them to. But, you know, the, the link that you alluded to there was the Divide at Classic, and I'll go into why in a moment. But he was fourth there in 2021. I think he had another decent finish there in the past as well. I might be wrong. But in the DP World Tour, he finished tied fifth last year. And like you say, he's probably going to be 66 to 1 for that you know, maybe 50s if he's in really good form. But yeah, if be really good form, maybe 33s. But whatever happens, he's going to be in a bigger price than he is here. And I don't think that his chances are any greater. Like, I don't think, like I've said about Laurie Cantor in the past, it's not he needs a weaker field to win. He just needs to get out of his own way. And that could come on any golf course at any time. So yep. I will just take the price when that comes. Um, I was a little bit surprised not to see John Catlin on your board. Yeah. Um, I thought that might be a guy that you'd go to. I know that there's been this kind of overriding feeling with Catelyn that he prefers a tougher test, but I think he's broken away from that. Yeah, he's
0: one that immediately, one of the, I guess people that I seek out their, their boards or betting cards is, is our friend Bradley Todd. Um, I know Catlin was on his short list this week. So definitely wanted to do a second look. I mean, you look at his recent forum 20th and 11th. Um, so he's found it a little bit. He's just a tough one to peg in my opinion. Um, so I, I could see it happening here. Um, but I think the way I really in this type of event, it's just the board so open, in my opinion, that I just kind of kept a lighter card in some sense. Maybe DraftKings will spread out the player pool, but really honed in on some recent form, specifically if you want to see that around uh, kind of that approach game. So I felt there was a couple other guys um, that I'm going to end up kind of siding with in similar odds. um
1: Who's the first guy that you are betting this week? So the first guy that I came to, and, and and I'm almost talking myself out at the moment, but the first guy that I said to you before even looking into it was Adrian Arnaus. And I put Canter and Arnaus in the same sort of boat in a sense. They're both maidens looking for their first victory. Both had a couple of cracks at it. Arnaus, you know, recently um, at home in the Open de Um, But again, it was just that correlation with the Dubai Desert Classic, which I'll obviously go into. I just want to bring it up in front of you so I don't butcher it because the way yep. I even wrote it to you was kind of the worst thing. But he was, he was third and ninth at the Divide Desert Classic. And when you look back, Barring Stephen Brown, who has also finished tight 8 else, elsewhere in Dubai, pierre Regard, who's done the same, and Lowry, all the other winners of this event have got a top five in the Dubai Desert Classic. Richard Green and Quiroz have won both events. Westwood's had a playoff loss and another second in Dubai Desert Classic. Sullivan and Harrington have got a second there. Lowry didn't have a top five. He had an 11th and 12th and two top fives at DP World. So every golfer you go through has just played really, really well at the Dubai Desert Classic. And that is where our has had two of his better performances. You know, a tied third and a tied ninth finish is uh, nothing to be sniffed at. So for me, the, the way I looked at it and what I was going to try and apply to Laurie Cantor, if I was going to bet him, was that if they do get out in front because their T-degree game clicks, as they both can, there's less worrying holes down the stretch. Like There's less pressure on trying to win, and I think that could benefit... Uh, Adrian announced but then when I look at it and there's other guys here um that I'm going to come on to as well it, it kind of maybe isn't the value that I was expecting but I thought it was decent enough price at Ford as well.
0: yeah if i'm comparing golfers in the range I, you the exact same argument is made for robert mcintyre because of his dubai performance you're getting a little bit bigger number on both Arnas and McIntyre because of recent play um I mean Arnas what he had that t2 not too long ago but it it just eventually I think I ended up just siding with instead of picking between those two picked for the golfer who may have not had the same type of corollary performances um but a golfer who has arguably been sneakily one of the best i would say approach players across the european tour over the last gosh two years i mean fabrizio Zanati is very good with his irons um and we see his trending performance in the last four times out italian open twenty seventh, bmw pga 20th in a strong field arguably probably the best performance of any of them uh 12th at the open de España, fourth at the uh valderrama you know four events in a row building up that form gaining with the irons in every single one of them um you know at the olympics he was 35th you know he's just really played exceptionally well so you know none nothing to not enough to decrease that number where potentially would be in a little bit of a weaker field but um 40 to one i just thought that was too good for zanotti when i'm comparing and i love correlation but trending form especially with the irons getting it low here I just would rather take that number on Zanotti.
1: Zanotti so is a guy that we've looked at. We've mentioned him for, for most of the year and uh, since we've been doing the show because his numbers have been exactly that. Like we mentioned Sean Crocker every week. They're just, they're guys that hit the irons the best. Maverick Ancliffe, guys that just keep striking their irons week after week after week. And he was doing it without any results. And Shabanka Kashama was doing it without any results. And suddenly, towards the business end of the season, both of them have kind of started piecing it together. And you, you mentioned the lack of correlating form and, and I get very caught up in that thing like that is my thing like out of the two of us you, you're, a, you're a data guy and a, and, a, and a stats guy and I'm the guy that kind of looks at where they've formed in the past but when we say Zanotti hasn't done that you know he was 27th in the divide as a classic this year but he shot 76 in the third round so I'm pretty sure he was banging contention um before that as well so I think that's a, a little bit of bonus to add to that. My only concern with Zanotti was maybe he likes it a little bit tougher, you know, maybe a bit, a bit lower scoring. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he's hitting the ball incredibly well, and that's the main thing.
0: It, you're going to have to make a lot of birdies this week, and, you know, it's mainly going to need some correlation with that putter, um, you know, finding the ability to uh, find the cup where – Maybe that's not Zanatti's biggest strong suit. I would say or else he would have capitalized more on the irons. He has yet um, to really have a good putting performance the entire year. So you're banking on that, of course, to be able to get to 20 under par, which, you know, last year was <clears throat> more than enough to win. Years past was not. But um, I think, yeah, ultimately, I'm just going to side with the, the more predictable stats and hope to run hot on the greens. Who else in this range is is up for uh, your card?
1: So the main, the, the kind of thing that's put me off on else the most is that we've got George Coetzea here. And I know there's always a thing of defending champions struggle and, and it's a tough thing to do. And, and I respect that, but he's gone win third, sixth, seventh here. And that, that's not obviously all of his finishes, but they're his, his standout ones. He's actually the best in the field in terms of stroke average that's caused over the last 15 years. Um, never worse than 31st in what is it, eight starts. You know, he, he's just incredible. He's going to turn up here and he's going to play well, whatever the form. Now, his form hasn't been particularly great. You know, it's not been standout, but he's gone 24th and 46th in his last two. And that's not, you know, you would never expect him to compete at Valderrama. And it's not really his type of golf course. 24th the week before is probably a better indication of what form he's in. He was favourite here when he won. Um, because he was kind of the back of two really good finishes in South Africa. Hasn't had that chance to go home and just black track, probably that all. Um, and that's given us a bit of juice in the price, you know, 40 to one, or, you know, I think it was bigger over there earlier in the day. Um, this price range is just, it seems ridiculous. I, I feel like he should be where Peters and Andrew Johnston and Mimu Lee are on the board is that he, we know that George Kozier is a winner, like a multiple winner, very, very successful. There's no doubts about his credentials. Probably could have won more, but that's ridiculous. So he's won plenty. So I thought he's won about quite a guy that we know absolutely loves the course I thought it was big enough.
0: Yeah, he's uh, one that you just has a knack for winning. I guess it would be maybe the best way to say it. Um, you're not surprised. A South it Africa,
1: right? Correct, you know, yeah. It's,
0: well, weak fields and the Sunshine Tour, you know, like he cleans up. Um, but he has, you know, obviously – had success in the big tours too. So I think, um, 40, 40 to one is, is plenty. Um uh, when you look at him, I know he was Ben Coley's headline selection too, which is always, um, a good sign. Um, for me, this is a little bit speculative, um, here a little bit leaning into your side of things and leaning into a little bit of course, history for a golfer who tends to find his way at this specific course. Um, Eddie Pepperell last cut times out. If you look at here. So first off we'll do the correlation. 11th is his best finish in Dubai, but here at Don Pedro sixth, um, we had him second in 2018 and then third in 2017. Um, so three consecutive, very strong finishes here. Pepperell seems to be one of the biggest field players, um, on the entire tour, often finding success at links courses out of zero form. Um, if you notice his Twitter, I thought it was quite funny. Um, do you buy into the fact of, you know, Eddie on Twitter? Absolutely, probably not, this is a profitable thing to, to think about. But um, did laugh when he said a winless year comes to an end with a 39 point Stableford victory. What character the boy showed. Um, so maybe coming off a little bit of a high playing up in his hometown at a little Stableford event. Um, but you you partner his irons the last time out in Spain. We're, we're better than what we've seen. He does take it low. He's got a good putter um, when he gets hot. And that course history, that's just kind of my angle uh, for Eddie. Um, and he's in that mid-50s range, too.
1: Two two weeks, two times that he's made the cut in his last two starts. He finished 6th and 15th in strokes being approached in the field. So his irons have been good when he's made the weekend. I'm not sure on those missed cuts whether they were um, decent iron weeks as well. They may well have been. So um, certainly, you know, have just we're just looking at the, the three best people on the course uh in history george cozier is number one eddie pepper was number three and the guy that i'm going to come on to andy sullivan is number two andy sullivan is a guy that doesn't need to be playing well um, i know we say that about a lot of people and it seems like a bit of a lazy narrative you you want to see something right and that even threw it with rama after shooting the 80s so that's a concern but when you look at his win, when you look at his second, you look at his eighth place finish here. None of those weeks was he ever coming in as the overwhelming favorite, the overwhelming best player in the field. And can't miss. Like this is just a golf course he's played well at, and we know what Sullivan's mo is, right? That he's just a birdie fest guy. He needs to get off to a fast start if he's not. He's disinterested, um, and I expect him to do that. You know, the, both him and here and probably Pepper on your behalf as well. Their they're course history plays, but. There are certain events in a year where that pays. We just see one at the Bermuda, different tour, obviously. We're just about to see one again in my Cobra as well. And this is the same sort of level on European tour. There is just no reason to go against the court history when, when it's shown you so much.
0: Yeah. Um, Guys at the and And you're right. I think of Sullivan as somebody that... You know, he, he's 11 under after day one on a course that everyone should be ripping apart and still somehow, you know, finds himself with a three stroke lead and, and we saw it in Dubai right the last time when Rosser ended up winning I think that was the last like birdie fest I remember Sullivan just ripping through I mean he had, where was his like six stroke win when he was like 27 under that was impressive too yeah, so yeah, it's I mean, it's in the bag yeah, was, of tricks. Yeah um yep so i can see that that there now this is where for me i i thinned out um a little bit of the card um and really ended up on some some longer shots but i think the conversation around sebastian soderberg off of back-to-back t2s is a conversation to be had i mean he might however be allergic to actually winning a tournament because it seems that back nine on sunday he loves the water, loves a good triple bogey. Um, but man, you got to think one of these times it's going to fall for him.
1: The, the thing that gives me hope in that respect is that we've seen him do it before. Like if this was cancer and Arnau, Sneed had those two chances, finishing tied second. He hadn't done it and he'd thrown it away. That I'd be like, okay, well, it's going to be hard for him to come back for a third time and really do it. But this is a guy that has actually won. This is a guy that's actually beaten Roy McElroy in a playoff. Um, you know, when you look at his challenge tour victory um back in Kenya, I think it was, he beat Lane Gask and tied fourth there was Dylan Fratelli and Christian Bazwinhout. So this is a t- sort of class. I'm not saying he's anywhere near those golfers, right? But he can beat those people in the mix. So I wouldn't be too worried. I know th- the evidence over the last couple of starts yes you should be worried. Um, but I, I just think there's enough in there, and you know, he was seventh here. What was it back in 2017? Um, was never really in the mix. But shot a 64 on the Saturday to put himself up there. The 27th, he started off really fast. You know, shot a 66 in round one uh, and ended with a 64 as well. So it was the middling rounds there. So two different ways of going at it. Um, but what we can take from that is that he can just go low enough on this golf course. He has the requisite skills to perform here. Um, and, and that's all we really need to see.
0: And, and backed on those two performances were excellent ball striking, gaining about 2.2 strokes gained off the tee plus approach in both of those events. So to carry that over back-to-back weeks, you hope even a week off stays hot with that ball striking. You can absolutely, the DraftKings Contests are still not out right now, uh, but Soderbergh is absolutely somebody in that mid-range that I will be playing substantially. Um, you mentioned to me off the top, um, your favorite selection across the board is in this range It's not Guido Migliazzi, but it is his roommate. Tell us why you're on Renato Peritor.
1: He was a guy that I was on at least once in the shows in your absence, Um, maybe twice, I can't remember now, but he played really well last time out without actually uh, getting rewarded there. Um, You told me a nice tidbit, which I'll let you uh, go on to in a minute, but he was tied 13th in Dubai, which was obviously a good indicator. I'm going to get hung up on that. That's fine. But he was Fifth here after 54 holes in 2018 and ninth after 54 holes in 2019 so although the the course form doesn't look great with 57 73 27 21 that doesn't tell the whole story like he's been in and around the lead both these last two starts here and he's he's just been piecing together some just really really good golf and when you think of right now i think i sort of squashed the the bias i had against him where i thought he had to have this sort of tight tree-lined course and he's actually quite good on open layouts and you know his wins have come on those sort of events so i think that he's got absolutely every chance of going there and getting a third european tour victory on a course where people probably don't expect it from him and i thought it was 66 to 1 especially when you're going to add what you're going to add in a minute um was really good value
0: Yeah. I mean, we talked about off the top, you know, on a course that's going to be a birdie fest, you have to be a quality putter um, or at least have not, it don't have to be a quality putter, but you need to perform on the greens in order to compete. Um, Data golf, um, great, you know, database uh, to, to utilize, released their uh, skill ratings over the last um, two years. They combined after you have 50 rounds in their database, about 400 golfers that fit that. um, And Renato Peritor ends up being their second ranked putter in the entire world the tilting thing about parator's putting is he wears a glove when on the greens i I just
1: i I do that so i don't care
0: okay maybe it's your thing in common then um
1: but that's not a good thing for him
0: (laughs) (laughs) there's the aaron rye two gloves that he wears like tommy Ganey and then um, parator's um, with the, you know, one glove on while he putts. So, um, but no, he's an excellent putter on the greens up there with the is who is another one who's ranked, um, right up there. So no, really big fan, um, of pair tour in his game. And he's going to need that, that putting, which he did last time out was excellent again on the greens. Um, but so I think that is an intriguing one there. The one, um, for me end up siding with is, um, Callum Shinkwin. And I just think about it from the sense of if you can attack this off the the tee, if you can just be the best guy, you know, on the T since there's nothing to really hold back, you are going to give yourself, you know, a, a decent advantage. And, and you look at what Callum Shinkwit does, you know, I would argue he is right there side by side with probably Laurie Cantor as the best driver um in this field. Um, you could say Nikolai Hoygard potentially is up there. Roman Langaske. I thought thought he was on a short list potentially. He's a great driver of the golf ball, too. But man, Callum Shinkwin is phenomenal off the tee. Ball striking the last couple times out has been well, and he just loves to take it low. I mean, the last two times, I mean, he performed exceptionally well at Valderrama ball striking and at the Alfred Dunhill links, which were the two of the most difficult um, events that we've had from a field strength perspective um, in a little bit of time. So I, I value those, um, you know, more than the the, the uh, tail ends of the, the Spanish swing. So... Um Shingwin, you know, eighty to one just feels pretty long in that sense. You know, last time we saw his victory was when Robert McIntyre also won um what would that have been? The Cypress swing. Yeah. Um so you know, been a little bit of time. Just think he's got that one notched off, similar to, you know, some of the other guys you say once you get that first one um like that, but he just feels too long for this range in my opinion,
1: for what he's played. And and the course history again, a bit like uh Paratore, there's some there's some hidden stuff in there. You know, he started off Pretty fast. I've got the things up here. So he finished 17th on his debut, but he was second after round one, tenth after round two, eighth after round three. So he was inside the top ten for, for three rounds. And this was way before he was, you know, what the kind of player that he is now. And again, he returned the next year, shot 65 on day one to rank third. Um, and it was pretty poor over Thursday and Friday, and he ended up finishing 46th. But you I guess when these guys, they're developing players, right? And shinkwin has got to that level now where we kind of expected him to get to be a European Tour winner. He'd done that last year, followed up with some decent results this year. And I'd rather look at then what he did in isolation for a couple of rounds on golf courses because he wasn't the complete package then whereas he's getting closer to that. So I think Canon Sheikman sneakily, like Paratore, is a very good play uh, in this range. Now, disclaimer. Okay, and I want this to be very, very clear to people. Okay, if you've made it this yep. far, then big you words. To listen to this, big flashing things. Producer, <laughs> sirens around me. Okay, I got told off in the comments because I gave a hundred to one winner in Danny Willett, and it wasn't on the recap board. Now, the only person's fault that is that it's not on the recap board is me. Okay, I am asked to give my selections in, and I give them, and then sometimes I change my mind towards the end. Okay, and I'm not going to make the producer make a new board just so that you don't have to listen. Okay, so listen to me carefully now. Okay, Alexander Levy was someone that I liked. Not so keen on him now, but he has won here and he has finished fourth in Dubai. So there's every reason he's been someone that's popped up an awful lot. But My final selection of the week is Pep Angles. Okay, now I guess the first thing that people are going to say is it was a kind of a flash in the pan, right? His second place finish last time out. He was ninth in the Game approach. But Pep Ingles is in, increasingly becoming a, a decent player at this, you know, maybe more at the Challenge Tour level, but certainly in weaker fields on the European Tour as well. And when you actually look at it in isolation, he was second on his last start. He had a 16th at the Scandinavian Masters, but he was first at the Andalusia Challenge last year and second at the Open to Portugal. Which obviously, you know, is where we are this week. So his three best results on the OWGR website: 2020 he was first, 2020 he was second, 2021 he was second again. This guy is just improving as a golfer. He was eighth in 2020 at the Kenya Open as well. So he just seems to be on a bit of an upward trajectory, and I just think that he can carry this on. Uh, he was eighth here in 2018, which I think. Actually, when you go back and look at it, 12th, it 12th, 12th that year. 12th, sorry. Yep. He was 12th that year and he was eight after 54 holes, which is what I was trying to think of. He shot two sixty-fives that week. So I think there's still some value in Pep Angles at 150 to 1. So take Alex Levy out, put Pep Angles in. Don't blame the producer. Don't blame me because you didn't listen. It is here, 150 to 1, Pep Angles.
0: Well, congrats to Alexander Levy on the win this week. <laughs> so I'll, I'll, Tia's out here with the last selection, and I think we can both agree he's been um, quite the trending golfer from the underlying statistics. Um, you mentioned him having a win both Dubai and at this course. Um, the journey back, I would say, for Alfaro Quiros has been an interesting one um, at the least because, you know, winner in 2017, You know, from 2008 to 2011, won every single one of those years, um, but just has not found any sort of consistency, right? I think that's fair to say, um, you know, over the last, gosh, two, three years of watching. Um, But lately, you know, we see four made cuts in a row, 27th, 39th, 46th, best finish of the bunch, T11th, just this last time out. Um, he pointed out that his Sunday definitely did not go his way shooting 73. He was 64, 69, 65, um, in the three days prior. So of course, you know, had himself a fair shot, um, to get that W, uh, in his country, but, uh, ultimately did not go his way. But if you just look into his ball striking, once again, I mean, these stroke gain approach numbers are off the charts they didn't have the laser data um, you know, last time out in Spain. However, if you go by what the caddies inputted, he gained over 10 strokes on approach that week would have led the field substantially. The next closest one was Nino Bertazio, who was right around eight strokes, um, on that tournament. So I just think there's a lot of upside for the peripherals of his game. And of course has done it here, has done it at the corollary course. Um, and he just goes low. You know, he does have that in his bag of tricks. You just need it to continue all 72 holes. But I was surprised at the number. 90-1, to 1,
1: still got some juice in it. So there was, there was two guys here. It was Lucas Buregard and Alvaro Quiroz. So I just think because they've won here, that they were slightly less valued than what they possibly could be. Now, I think that's slightly less the case in Quirós because I think he's been playing consistently well. and He's been hitting the ball consistently well. So despite the bias of the fact that he may not be able to get over the line as much as he was, uh, you know, but certainly not as much as he was in the past. But um, I normally say in this situation, just wait until he's in a deeper field and take him at one or 200 one or whatever. But we haven't got those events left, right? You know, if you're waiting for those events, you've got to wait until next year and anything can happen over a winter period. You know, you can go home and put the clubs down for six weeks and, and you know, good again. So, I think if you want to be on Alvaro Quiros in a comeback win, it's going to be somewhere like this because there's no like i said there's no real danger like there there obviously are some holes that can cause you trouble but if you're making double bogeys down the stretch in you know the portugal masters you have an actual problem there is no courses you know that, that catch you out or holes that catch you out sorry there is you've got a proper mental problem so i think that quiros has got a great chance um maybe the number wasn't quite enough. But then you say that, I mean, he's 90 to one about this is a guy that was a six, seven time winner on the European tour. I know it's a long time ago, but we're talking about a guy that was contending in players championships in the past or about a guy that was, you know, European number one at one point on the, on the race of the bye. So, you know, what more do you want? I know, I know it's a long time ago, but he's also won in 2017, which is mm-hmm. much more recent than 90% of the field. So cross absolutely love that. Yeah,
0: and that kind of rounds out my thoughts on the entire tournament. Without DraftKings salaries out, uh, I don't think it's fair to really rip through the bottom of the of the field because I don't have that many that stand out. The one golfer uh, for me um, intrigued on uh, teeing it up this this week in the world is Eugenio Lopez Chakara. I can't I can't roll my R's. I I, I can't say. It. Can you do it?
1: I can't. No, okay. you're, you're most friend. <laughs> I was. He was a guy that we 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 exchanged a tweet earlier and, and I said to yep. him in my cobra, I thought you were going to steal my line about who's in this field and you didn't, which is great. <laughs> so Jackson Bra is playing there it is. for the yes. first time since Wentworth last year. And he's got an eighth, I think, on this golf course and a top 15 in Dubai. And he was really sort of coming out into his own on the European Tour before that injury. And it was a devastating injury. And I can't quite remember what it was. Maybe you do. Um, but he was out for a long time and I think the positive thing I'm taking from it is it feels like he's taken a, a steady approach to coming back, it's not like he's had loads of setbacks he's just been, right, let's shelf it for this X amount of time and then come back fresh and I think it speaks volumes that he's coming back to the Portugal Masters where one, he's played well in the past and two, where there's not a threat of too much trouble like I think he can, it's a resort course he can play nice golf and it's an easy way to get back in so I think that if those DraftKings prices are out, I'd say to play Jackson Bra. I think he's probably someone that could go low on the first day with the excitement of getting out there again. Um, but like you, I did, I really didn't find an awful lot down here. I thought Olly Wilson was playing good golf again and, and maybe could go well on the course of suits. But, yeah, there, there was nothing to get too excited about.
0: Yeah, the last thing before we close out here, very excited for the Challenge Tour finals this week. Yes. That will be um, loaded field. I mean, what they have the top – 45 I believe is what they go with um, fighting for their cards here on the European tour you saw Nina Burr ended up deciding to play there Um, just a list of of talented guys we've talked about pretty much probably almost all of them at one point um, throughout the season as they've made some some starts there so we'll be able to see that core group that's going to make the leap to the European tour next year Um, so make sure you follow that Um, and with that time let's review your card
1: Yep, so I'm starting it off. I'm still not quite sure on Audrey Onaus, but Audrey Onaus and George Cozier at 45 to 1. Uh, Andy Sullivan, 60 to 1. with Sebastian Spudderberg at 55 to 1. Uh, Really, really like Renato Paratore, 66 to 1. He's my favorite bet. And Pep Angles, who's not on the recap board, at 150 to 1. Over Eldix Levy, who is on the recap board at 90 to 1. My fault, Mr. Producer.
0: (laughs) So for me, Fabrizio Zanotti, 40 to 1. Um, Eddie Pepperell 50 to one. Callum Shinquin, 80. And Alfaro Quiros at 90 to one. That'll do it for us on the Portugal Masters. Best of luck to everybody this week.